0: Father, we thank You so much. We praise You so much today. It seems as though when I look in the Scriptures that Jesus got the revelation when He was a very young boy that You were His Father. They found Him in the temple teaching. And when His mother said, Son, what have you done? What's going on? He said, Mother, didn't you know I needed to be about my Father's business? And I believe from the time he was 30 when his ministry began, I believe that every single day was an adventure for him. That he would rise in the mornings and say, Daddy, what are we going to do today? I thank you, Father, that Jesus was always encountering people, the downtrodden of life. And so many people feel that way. They feel like they've been beat down and walked over emotionally and physically sometimes. Yet with every beat of the clock, Jesus was walking to the cross. And as he would approach that last day, those final moments, he would cry out in the Garden of Gethsemane and he would say, Father, if there's another way, if there's another way, Daddy, let's find it. There's another way to redeem man forever, once for all. Let's find it. And I can only imagine his father whispered back in those moments, Son, you are the way. You're the way, you're the truth, you're the life, and no one will come to me except through you. Father, may that be a revelation that sprinkles across the world, falling into hearts that have never even heard this name Jesus. You have a way of visiting us in that moment of time when our hearts are genuinely searching for truth and grace. And Jesus is that person of grace and truth. And He walks into hearts. And I thank you, Father, that He seals us with the sweet Holy Spirit so that we never have to be concerned about Him ever leaving us or walking out again. I thank you, Father, that in the final breaths of Jesus, that he declared it is finished. He declared that man will never relate to you, Daddy, on the basis that he did before. That he was blessed when he did good, but cursed when he did bad, punished when he did bad. No, it's not that way in this kingdom. This kingdom operates by the unconditional love of Christ, the unconditional love of the Father, the grace of our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. And I thank you, Father, for the Holy Spirit who is here to reveal these truths to us. I thank you, Father, that the gospel of grace is proliferating across this country and others as well. That people will begin to see that they've troubled themselves with many words and many thoughts. Troubled themselves in working their fingers to the bone to please you. But it's never been about that. It's always been about you saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And I thank you, Father, that when we come to Christ, we are put inside the Son, and the Son is put inside of us. And so as those words are echoing once again in our hearts this morning, hear those words for yourselves. You are my beloved Son. You are my beloved daughter in whom I am well pleased. And Father, help us in those times when that programmed religion, that residue that's still inside every one of us, tries to whisper something different. That we would take a stand and we would stand upon the gospel that by one sacrifice he has made us perfect forever. Thank you, Jesus, that you would humble yourself to an old sinner's cross and be crucified, yet you knew no sin. And that you would lay in darkness for three days, but you would gloriously rise from the grave. And that's where we find our hope. That's where we find our victory. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to receive the communion in just a few minutes here. And in preparation for a short communion devotion this morning, In the quietness of my study at home last night, I began to think about some things, very simple truths. And as I began to commit my thoughts to paper, I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, I want you to write your thoughts out in cursive writing. And I thought, why? But I began to do that. And in five minutes of time, I had written more in cursive writing than I have written in the last 15 years in cursive. I'm a print kind of guy. My job is to sell and I sell over the phone. And I learned many years ago that the shortest pencil is better than the longest memory. I'm a note taker. And as that conversation is developing in real time, I'm making notes. And so I print. I can read my print easier, even though I have nice cursive writing. I can read it, and I can write it, it seems like, faster. And so he said to write it out in cursive last night, and there were two things that I noticed as I began to write last night. Number one, it had been so long since I had written in cursive. I hadn't forgotten how to do cursive, but I found out I was very clumsy at it. I mean, imagine all you do is print for the last 15 or so years. Every card I write out, every greetings card, I print it. Every address I address, it's all in print. So it was a little bit clumsy. And then I found myself mixing letters, the print with the cursive. I think people can do that, and they can do that very, very well. I don't have a problem with that but I just couldn't get off. I was trying. He just said, write it all in cursive, and I'm trying to. I'm writing in just regular print and then cursive together. You say, Pastor Mark, what in the world is your point about communion with that? Communion is about love. And the more we get away from this truth, the clumsier it becomes when it comes to receiving the meal that heals. Communion is about covenant. Communion is about friendship. Communion is about putting ourselves in remembrance of what Jesus did for us, not what we've done for him. Yet so much of the church doctrine instructs us to deal with our sin before we take communion. You guys have heard this. You've all grown up with it, no doubt. You better deal with your sin before you take communion or God's going to strike you dead. No, He's not going to, friends. I have to ask the question, and I hope you do too, what sin? The Word tells us that all of our sins have been taken away. Past sins, present sins, future sins. They've all been taken away. When were they taken away? At His resurrection. See, Jesus didn't only die on the cross. You died on the cross with Him. Now, that's a hard thing for us to think about for a second, that we died on the cross with Jesus. Spiritually speaking, yes. The Scriptures say we were crucified with Christ. The Scriptures tell us in Romans 6 that we were buried in baptism with Christ and that we were raised in resurrection life and power with Christ. Our sins have been taken away. Oh, you'll hear things like, well, you better make sure you're holy, they'll tell us. In other words, you better mix your print with his cursive. You better mix your tears of repentance with his blood of reconciliation before you partake of the communion meal. That is reckless language. Reckless, so reckless that many of God's people Allow the communion meal to pass them by because they believe that they are not worthy at that moment. I've seen it time and time and time again. Friends, we are worthy because of what Jesus did for us, not because of what we've done for Him. You are worthy every moment of the day, there's not a moment that you cease to be worthy. To cease to be worthy, cease to be holy, would be for you to cease to be saved. And so we have heard this message for so long that you know what it's done? It has unfortunately become acceptable. Acceptable to think that we have to make ourselves right. Now I'm not talking about not having a right mindset. You need to discern the Lord's body and His blood as it passes before you and as you consume that meal. It's not just a ritual. It's a participation. It's a participation in what he did for us on the cross. It's saying, Jesus, I recognize what you did for me, and I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful for what you did for me because what you did for me, I could not do myself. And as we prepare ourselves to receive the Lord's Supper this morning, we must put ourselves in remembrance that, again, it was his body and it was his blood that made us holy and made us righteous and made us worthy of receiving, of partaking in the communion. If our lives are in print script, his covenant of love continues to testify that we are sons and daughters. If our lives are in cursive, his covenant of love testifies that we have been made perfect. I don't think you'll disagree with any of that, But here's the one that got me last night as he said this. He says, son, if your life is like scribble all over the page, my covenant of love still declares no more religious duties, no more sacrifices and offerings, and no more annual reminders. My son's blood took away your sins once for all. Friends, these are the truths that we put ourselves in remembrance of as we take communion. What did Jesus do? Not what did you do on your way to church. Not what you did yesterday or the day before. Not based on what your struggles are, but it's based on what Jesus did for us. Isn't that simple? A child could understand that, yet we complicate it because it has been ingrained into us time and time again that we have to be worthy. I've just said, we are worthy. We are holy. We are righteous. We are one with Him. I'm going to ask Fred and Judy to come and serve the communion as I reveal the Scriptures once again, what I think about when it comes time for communion. Father, we thank You so much. This is more than a little cracker. It's more than grape juice. It represents the body of Jesus Christ and the blood of Jesus Christ, broken and poured out for us. The Savior of the world, fallen. His body on the cross, His blood poured out for us. Thank you, Father, for that great truth. I'm trying to still understand this love. What great, great love the Savior has for us. I thank you for this love. I thank you that your kingdom operates by love and by grace. I thank you, Father, that I don't have to do anything to earn your favor. I already have your favor. I thank you, Father, that as we take of the elements today, that we'll put that in remembrance, what Jesus did for us. How he was nailed to no rugged cross. How the blood was emptied from his entire body. How the blood, the sweat, the tears poured forth. And how there would come a moment in time, the only time in history that it's happened and the only time it will forever happen. Jesus would look up one final time and he would say, Father, Into your hands I commit my spirit. And then his head would fall limp. And his body would go limp on the tree. And there it was. That salvation began to pour out. It would make its way to the grave. It would lie in the grave for three days. And in three days that salvation that Jesus died to give us would rise again rise again from the grave. That's what I think about when I think about communion. Father, we bless you in Jesus' name. I want you just to hold your elements. We'll take them together. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, verses 8 through 17, we find these words. First he said, sacrifices and offerings Burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire. This is what the old covenant was founded upon, friends. These were the rituals, offerings, sacrifices, burnt offerings, sin offerings. But it says this was not the heart of God. This is not his ultimate desire. He said, nor were you pleased with them, though they were offered in accordance with the law. Then he said, here I am. I have come to do your will." He sets aside the first to establish the second. First what? First covenant. To establish the second what? Second covenant. It's not the best translation when we look at the words, He sets aside. Because everything I set aside is usually within reach again. The old covenant is not within reach again, friends. The word He sets aside there literally means violently takes away. He violently takes it away. It means to abolish. He abolished the first covenant, the old covenant. It literally means to put to death. See, it's much stronger language and it paints a deeper, more profound picture in our hearts this morning. This is what He has done with that first covenant. He has put it to death. You say, when did he do that? In his son. When his son died, it wasn't a later date, it was at that moment. It was a violent death. His son wasn't just set aside, he died violently. He was abolishing the old covenant system. He was putting it to death. He set aside the first to establish the second. Why? So that we could come to the table that has been prepared for us. And then it says, and by that will, that literally means by that choice. God made a choice. It wasn't random. He thought about it. He meditated upon it. He dwelled about it. He considered it. And then He made a choice. Come on. You've got to open up your heart a little bit this morning that you were worth that much that He would come and say, Yes! Listen. Jesus' death on the cross was painful. Yes, He's God. Yes, He was God. But that doesn't change the fact that He was also man. Not only did He bear the punishment of the nails and the thorn and the spear. But He would bear the sin of the world. He is our sin bearer. Can you imagine what that feels like? No, you can't. We have no way to identify with that. We have one little thing that goes on in our life and it overwhelms us to the point of grief and despair. But Jesus is taking every single sin upon Him. Why did He do that? He did that because He loves us. And by that will, we have been made holy. Did you see that? We have been made holy. How? Through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ. Look at those words. Once for all. How did you get made holy? By all the things you do? No. Did you get holy by the old covenant? No, it was abolished. It was put to death, rendered obsolete, violently taken away. We became holy through Jesus' body on the tree. Next scriptures. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties again again. And again, he offers the same old sacrifices, friends. Jesus was sacrificed once, and that was enough. They stand and they offer the same sacrifices. Look at those words. Which can never, never take away sins. Cover them, perhaps. Take away, no. No. Jesus would not have had to shed His blood if our daily sacrifices could take away our sins once for all. He wouldn't have uh, had to have done that. But when this high priest, that's Christ, but when this high priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. Next scriptures. Look at that. I want you to meditate upon what you're seeing right now as you think about the communion that you're holding in your hand. This is how powerful his sacrifice was and and continues to be. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. How did we get made holy? By Jesus' body on the cross. No, it's not a progression, friends. It's a once and for all. But there are others daily with every beat of the clock that are being made holy. You see how that works? That's all he's saying there. They're being made holy day after day, moment after moment, second by second. People are being made holy. They're being made the righteousness of God in Christ. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First he says, This is the covenant I will make with them after that time, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts. And I will write them on their minds. And then he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. Come on. Do we have reason to celebrate today? We have reason to celebrate what a good God. He saves them from the guttermost to the uttermost friends. He reaches out everywhere. A man was walking with his little son down the street in New York City years ago and he saw a wino laying in the street and he took his little son over there and he said, Michael, do you see that man? Do you smell him, Michael? Do you hear his groans? He said, son, if it wasn't for the grace of God, that could be you or me. It's always been about His grace, friends. Always been about His grace. We underestimate the power of His love and the power of His grace. There are sins and lawless acts. I will remember no more. Boy, well, if I was ever to get a tattoo. That one would be a battleship across my chest. My sins and lawless acts, he remembers no more. Friends, the communion meal is not meant to make us feel clumsy, it was meant to remind us of the Father's perfect love for us. Perfect love expressed in its fullness through the cross of Christ, the old covenant, and our sins have been violently taken away and put to death through the willingness of Jesus Christ. Through the body and blood of Jesus Christ, we have been made holy. Made holy and perfect once for all through our resurrected Savior, Jesus Christ. Our sins and lawless acts, He remembers no more. That's a lot to think about. That's a lot to meditate upon. That's a lot to chew on. And speaking of chewing on, I want you to take His body, friends, and I want you to hold that, and I want you to take a good long look at that. Guess what? Nobody in here has a cracker that looks like another person's. It's been broken, you see. Every piece that we hold in our hands is different from the other, yet they will taste the same as they go in. You see, when the Father looks at us, He may see a lot of different characteristics and personalities. But I'm telling you, if you have the blood of Jesus Christ flowing through your arteries and your veins, we taste the same to Him. He tastes righteousness. That's who you are. That's who we are. Let's take His body together in Jesus' name. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23-26, through 26, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which He was betrayed took bread. And when He had given thanks, He broke it and said... Take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Are you kidding me? On the same night he was betrayed, if there would have been ever a time to put it off. I'm going through something right now. I've been betrayed. But Jesus said, no, it'll be this very night that bitter and sweet will come together and you will see what your king really looks like. He came to serve you. He came to love you when you're on top of the mountain or when you're in the deepest valley of life, He came to love you. Take the cup now. Now I want you to put yourself in remembrance of the precious blood of Jesus that was shed for you. Even in death, there was still some blood that was left in Him. It was in His heart. And as that Roman spear came up through Jesus' side, he opened him up, creating a portal for the bride to come through. But she would have to pass through the water and the blood because they would pour from Jesus' side. Friends, Jesus shed his entire blood for you. He held nothing back. All of his blood was shed for you. Shall we take his blood together? Thank you, Jesus. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. So beautiful. Father, we thank you so much. We thank you so much for your love. We thank you, Father, for Jesus' willingness, Jesus' choice. He could have said no, but Jesus' choice to say, Father, I will die in their place. Thank you, Father, for your great grace and your great love. In Jesus' name, amen.